You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents A Community Affair, a weekly program where we discuss with national and local newsmakers important issues that impact our community. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director, Megan Steckler. Welcome to A Community Affair. I'm your host and Public Affairs Director, Megan Steckler, and today we are delighted to welcome back Mary Salvante and Dr. Andrew Hoddle. So Mary is the Director and Chief Curator at Rowan University's Art Gallery, and Dr. Hoddle is a Professor of Art History at Rowan University. Today, they're here to discuss the permanent display, the Sister Chapel, at the Center for Art and Social Engagement, which is a new innovative of Rowan University's Art Gallery. So thank you both for taking time out of your day to speak with me. Happy to be here. Likewise. To begin, I understand that in 2023, Rowan University's Art Gallery is celebrating the 45th anniversary of the Sister Chapel. So what is the Sister Chapel exhibition and what is the story behind this display? The Sister Chapel was conceived in 1974 by an artist named Elise Greenstein, who envisioned a non-hierarchical, secular installation of heroic figures, what she described as role models. So she enlisted the help of a number of collaborators, and she in fact conceived of this as a collaborative project so that other artists would participate in the development and the conceptualization of this installation. Her idea was to highlight women's achievements at a time when women were not widely recognized for their contributions to history. So that materialized over a period of four years and was first shown in 1978 at PS1, which was then an experimental art space. It is now part of the Museum of Modern Art. Why would you say it's recognized as a historically significant art installation today? It is one of a handful of feminist collaborations from the 1970s that still exists. Most collaborative activities have not been preserved. Oh, really? So most in that time period have not been saved and kept around or? Most are not preserved intact. And also it was specifically women artists, which was also not highly celebrated in the 70s. Exactly. So why did Rowan's art gallery choose to make this a permanent exhibition besides all the historical significance? Well, it became part of our permanent collection as a result of the research that I was doing on the Sister Chapel project. So it goes back to 2006 when I was researching a book to write about the Sister Chapel. And as that project progressed, I realized that it was necessary to preserve the paintings in addition to just writing about them. And so I started a campaign to encourage the donors to gift these works to the university. Some of them came from artists, some of them came from private collections, some of them came from artists' estates, but they were all gifted to the university. And so over a period of seven or eight years, we acquired the individual objects, and then it was reconstituted in 2016 for what was then going to be a short-term show. After that, we determined that it should be made into a permanent installation. We own the paintings. We wanted to showcase them. And because it's such a significant historical art and an unusual example of a collaboration that that exists intact, we installed it permanently. And that actually happened with the help of the Shirley Gorelick Foundation. 
And that foundation is associated with one of the artists in the Sister Chapel. Can you give a little more insight into that association? The artist Shirley Gorelick painted a portrait of Frida Kahlo, which is one of the figure paintings in the Sister Chapel installation. So there is a foundation dedicated to promoting and preserving her work, and they offered to help us install it permanently. That's incredible. So not only was your campaign so successful that you were able to preserve and take these pieces and bring them into the university, but also it was so impactful that they made it a permanent exhibit. Yes. And, and we're proud to have it. We're pleased to have it. It's really a wonderful installation and it forms the basis for the Center for Art and Social Engagement. Yeah, so it absolutely. is a permanent installation and there is also exhibition space around it to kind of tie into the Sister Chapel. Yeah, so touching on that, what is the Center for Art and Social Engagement program and how does that tie back to the art gallery? Well, I think it started when we knew that the Sister Chapel would be a more or less permanent installation in that space. The space historically was the original art gallery, the original Rowan University Art Gallery, before we moved over to 301 High Street. And because we still had the space, we saw this as an opportunity to showcase works from the permanent collection, including the Sister Chapel, alongside the other gallery where we do our contemporary art exhibitions. But we felt that because there were two venues, we needed to find a way to differentiate, to, to make each space have its own unique presence and intention. So we decided to call it the Center for Art and Social Engagement as a way to encourage more dialogue, more discussion, springboarding from some of the themes in the Sister Chapel that were more relevant today and dealt with some broader social, cultural issues and concerns. So that's what we're doing in the space there. And it's not just, we're not just looking to put up other art installations. We're, we're also open to having other kinds of displays and activities in that space. But always, there's always some kind of intersection with what's going on in the Sister Chapel and the themes of those paintings. Definitely. And what do you hope that students take away from this program specifically? I know, kind of a loaded question. You're the, so. you're the professor. You answer that question. I think the fundamental goal is to promote the Sister Chapel as a historical installation while also showing students how it relates to contemporary issues and concepts. When we called it the Center for Art and Social Engagement, we were connecting it to the activist approach of the Sister Chapel, which really was intended to recognize women's achievements. It's meant to be a celebration of women's accomplishments. And so while the Center for Art and Social Engagement does not focus on women only, the social justice theme is consistent with the Sister Chapel. The idea is to keep the Sister Chapel in the conversation, but also expand that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I also understand that Gaia Theory, the new art exhibit, is also a part of this center. So could you give me a little insight into what the title of the exhibition means? Gaia Theory is the title of a show. Emily Erb is the artist. And I want to say that this exhibition and the and the artwork is a good example of what Dr. Hartle was, was saying in, in terms of how the programming that we do over there relates to the themes that are presented in the Sister Chapel. Gaia Theory not only does thematically does it resonate with broader themes that are presented in Sister Chapel, it also visually connects 
So there are three large-scale figurative paintings on silk. They're like silk banners. And the figures are, the artist was very, very intentional that the figures are non-binary in terms of gender. She was researching this hypothesis that the Gaia theory presented, which looks at how our, how the world, how the environment, and how is synergistic with our own presence, our own being. I guess you could really put it in the context of some of the, the ways in which we talk about the earth and environment as Mother Earth or the mother. Gaia theory kind of relates to that in a variety of ways. So she titled that because the figures are larger in life as the Sister Chapel paintings are. But within each, she has what she calls circulatory systems that she builds from maps, different kinds of types of mapping, like street maps, city maps, graphical maps of terrain and earth. And also she used military maps from World War II as another way to extend this idea that within our bodies, there is this turmoil and there's activity that is directly related to what's happening in our globally. Absolutely. And that actually covered my next question, which I was going to ask, what is the theme of Gaia theory? But I understand that it connects back to Sister Chapel very nicely in that sense that you just described. Mm -hmm. What drew Rowan's art gallery to showcase Emily's work specifically? Well, in the planning for programming, I'm always looking for artists for both galleries, for both the Rowan University Art Gallery and the Center for Art and Social Engagement. And I was familiar with Emily's work and knew her as an artist. She's a Philadelphia-based artist. It was knowing her work and being familiar with what she was doing, I realized that this was a project that could fit. Just really basically that. And I was happy to have an opportunity to do that and that the works were available for us to put up this semester. Yeah, definitely. And have any other artists used silk banners in that sense for art? Before oh, at the a, art gallery? It's a popular material in the Center for Art and Social Engagement. No, I don't think we had an exhibition with an artist that used... This is a very unique process and, and a very unique way to create art. She actually paints right on the silk, and she also collages on the silk. The silk is a very fine material, and pigment can spread. So she has to outline the figure first with a kind of product that maintains the, the outline of the figure and helps to keep the paint from spreading through the fabric. So it takes a lot of time. It's very technical. It's very, it's a very slow process to paint on silk. Yeah, it seems um, but like But they're very difficult. translucent. You can look right through them, you know, and as you pass around them, the wind creates this billowing effect with the silk. It's very elegant and spiritual. Really. What do you want the audience to take away from seeing Gaia Theory, taking that all in? It's uh, an environmental story that she's presenting in these, in these works. Contemporary artists aren't trying to dictate how someone should feel about their art. What's important to them is the, an audience connects with it in their own terms and finds in the art something that resonates personally with them. And so with this exhibition, there's many ways to approach it. But overall, themes are environmental themes. As figurative works, there's this suggestion that we as humans are responsible for the environment and the earth. We're the, you know, the gatekeepers, the safekeepers, and so on. So uh, this is just another way to create a conversation and a dialogue around that, that topic. But also it filters back into this larger theme set the Sister Chapel is. 
is presenting. Absolutely. So Gaia Theory is just one exhibition that connects back the Sister Chapel. But what would you say is one of your, both of you, one of your favorites of the exhibition you think that connects back very well? They're all so different. The Scrolls was an the, interesting one. I was, I was actually going to say that. Oh, okay. uh, last fall, we had an exhibition by Vernita Nemec, who is a New York-based artist. It's called The Endless Junk Mail Scroll. And it's really a series of scrolls that she collages from junk mail. So it's an environmental statement about the abuse of our trees and the use of them for junk. And so she collected junk mail and took it apart and sometimes painted on it. But she constructed these long, sort of thin scrolls. In the past, she had kind of draped them from the ceiling to kind of look like a scroll. But Mary suggested hanging them more like trees so they would hang vertically in the gallery space. And interestingly, the artist is now really thinking about that. Um, She hadn't planned it, but she liked it once she saw what we were doing. That was, I think, one of my favorite recent ones, just because it had this effect of being like a forest, but at the same time, it was making a statement about how much we've abused the trees. You know, we've turned them into junk, and she's turned them into art, but the art is still telling us that we probably shouldn't have done that to begin with. Yeah, and telling you where they came from. Exactly. It seems like the environmental themes are very common. Yeah. Which is fine. There's always... You know, it's a topic and it's a, a theme that has to constantly be talked about, right? Yeah, I've noticed the environmental themes a lot. And I've also noticed a lot of like criticizing, but almost criticizing like the social hierarchy and different classes and how different races are perceived in society today and how they feel. Well, the Sister Chapel is a critique of the patriarchy. You know, it's, it's a pun on the Sistine Chapel. So Sister Chapel, Sistine Chapel. It was meant to be secular. It's not a religious installation, even though it's called a chapel. It's it's meant to highlight the fact that the whole narrative is written from a male perspective. So it makes sense that we take up subjects that speak to a, not the same theme, but to other themes that have to do with the system as it exists and kind of breaking it down or at least asking questions about it. Mm-hmm. So I did want to actually ask you a question, Dr. Hoddle. You said that you did research on the Sister Chapel. So what drew you personally to do research on this art installation? The true story is that I originally was looking for color photographs of the paintings. I was looking for color photographs of the constituent paintings as illustrations to show in class. That is the origin of that project. It's not an unusual origin, I think, for art historians to be looking for information and discover that something is missing. And I found that no one was writing about this, and there was not solid information. The best material was from the 1970s. There was an article written by a a scholar named Gloria Orenstein, who was really the first to write extensively about it and the only person. And that was just an article in a magazine called Woman Art, which was a short-lived feminist publication. That set me on this path of researching the 13 participants, which was a multi-year process, and it materialized as a book and ultimately as a more activist idea of preserving the paintings and showing them once again for people to see. When we exhibited the Sister Chapel in 2016, it had not been seen since 1980. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the tent. Yes. And what is the tent? 
The Sister Chapel was conceived as a circular formation of 11 figure paintings. They're nine by five feet. They are all standing figures and they all have the same dimensions. So they hang together as a group, but each one is stylistically different. And each artist chose her own role model to represent. That is covered by an abstract ceiling with a mirror in the center that reflects the viewer as part of this all-female Olympus as Elise Greenstein. The plan was to create a tent-like structure, a sort of 12-pointed star at its base that would be white with red velvet triangular projections coming down the sides. And they never had the funding to produce that. So it was never shown with the tent structure, which was designed by an artist named Maureen Connor. So when we showed it in 2016, to Mary's credit, she said, we can't show it if we don't have the tent. Mary took the initiative to have the tent fabricated, which is still there. We still have it. And we worked in collaboration with the artist to make sure that it was to her specifications and that it satisfied her. But we enlisted someone else to actually build the tent structure to complete the sister chapel. So it is now seen as it should be. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys were able to finish that and then have it like how the artist wanted, like how she envisioned her work to be perceived by others. I have to give a shout out to Pat Ahern, faculty member of the art department. He has a background in theatrical set fabrication. I approached him about this challenge to fabricate this tent, and he came up with a design approach that worked really well, easy to install, to put up or take down if we need to. So he really came through with helping us to actually realize the structure. Well, then I'm really happy that you brought it up and brought it to your attention. (laughs) Yeah, but it was wonderful speaking to you both. When we come back, we'll be discussing the other current exhibition at Rowan's Art Gallery. We'll be right back with more A Community Affair after this. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A Community Affair. I'm your host, Megan Steckler, and joining us on the show is Mary Salvante and Dr. Andrew Hoddle. Mary is the director and chief curator at Rowan University's Art Gallery, and Dr. Hoddle is a professor of art history at Rowan University. Now we are talking about the other current exhibition on display at Rowan's Art Gallery, Multiplicities by Naomi Joven, Tommy Ka, Wendy Redstar, and Leonard Suryajaya. What can you tell me about this display? Multiplicities is a group exhibition, photography exhibition. It's a diverse group of artists. We have two Asian artists, one African-American, and for the first time we're showing work by an indigenous Native American. It kind of is an extension of what we were doing with Genevieve Gaynard's show. We're continuing to look at race, misconceptions about race, and through this exhibition, artists that are trying to break down the sort of binary thinking about what it is to be a particular race. As a group show, there is a more diverse approach to how artists are tackling that that theme, but in a way that's more playful, more theatrical, and more joyful. So each artist are creating photographs based on their own personal lives, and in many cases, using themselves as the subject, which is very familiar with how Genevieve did created her work, But the source material is more personal, more about them individually using using family members as as part of their their set. 
they are creating the set rather than taking photographs of outside environments. They're actually building their compositions themselves and shooting photographs from there. So Tommy Ka, for example, is a Chinese-American, and he plays with the image of his face as as like a cutout, as a duplicate of, of him to kind of push the conversation away from just seeing me as just one-dimensional and presenting himself as very complex and multidimensional. But it's hilarious that his mother is in a lot of these photographs, and as is one of the other Leonard's photographs, and these family members are like, yeah, whatever, just, you know, paint my face, funny colors. I don't care. This is hilarious. And they just cooperate. And as a result, the photos are very genuine, very authentic. Naomi, what she does is she creates collage images from family photos that she found in her mother's collection of objects after her mother passed away. And she's looking at how, as a first-generation Haitian American, with half her family still in Haiti, half her family in the United States, you lose the thread of the family narrative. And and many of the photos, you know, they're, they're family members that she never knew. And so she creates these kind of fractured, truncated compositions as a way to, in her way, to comment on that kind of disconnect that happens. And by creating these collages, kind of making a reconnection with her culture and her her family. And Wendy Redstar is Crow. Her father is Crow, Native American. And she dresses herself up also in her photographs as if she's in a diorama that you would see in a natural history museum. But she's poking fun at, again, this binary view that traditional European perspective of how Native Americans lived and, you know, and looked. They're beautifully composed, but they're also very humorous. In one photo, for example, she has an inflatable bison sitting behind her, like this big giant toy bison. It's it's very comical. It's very humorous. Again, there's always, you know, underneath all of that humor, there's a very important point to be made that they're making. So it sounds like each artist, although they have their own way and their own style of doing their photography and kind of poking fun at their own, like almost like stereotypes that they all are unified under this theme and almost unified in not that they're doing the same style, but they're also using the same humor and theatrics and their art pieces. Yeah. So there's that common thread with all four artists which was the curatorial intent. It's a co-curated show that I did with Chad States, who is a faculty member in the art department, the photo area, and Dana Singer, who was also in the photo area, but she's now teaching at Yale. And they each actually had much more knowledge of photographers. But we all worked together to come up with the theme and we all agreed on the four. The four artists worked well as a group. It was a collaboration and occasionally when I have an opportunity to do that, the results are always very rich and satisfying. Why do you think this display is so impactful to the Rowan community? Well, I think that there is a lot of students on campus, particularly biracial students, that it isn't commonplace to understand the unique 
experience of biracial individuals. So this exhibition, along as with Genevieve Gagnard's show, we were tackling that as an important to create exhibitions that were accessible, that were not threatening, that we felt created a safe space for students to be in, but also to see artists that look like themselves. You know, when you see other people that that you perceive as important or successful, but look like you, I think it is inspiring and aspirational for for that student. Definitely. Did you want to explain when each of these exhibitions are going on and for how long for and what the hours of operation are at the art gallery? So the Multiplicities is up through the end of semester, December 20th. And that gallery at 301 High Street is open Mondays through Fridays. 10 to 5, and we're open on Saturdays, 11 to 5. The Sister Chapel, the Center for Art and Social Engagement, that Gaia Theory is also up through the end of the semester, and the hours there are Tuesday through Thursday, 11 to 4. We're also open to scheduling uh, special visits to the center because we have such limited hours there that if the open hours doesn't work with a class time. Anyone, any professors, faculty members are, are free to contact me if they want to bring their class uh, to request a time when we're not open. At 301 High Street, we also include a hallway of selections from our permanent collection. And we try to program that to correspond in some meaningful way to the current exhibition. So for multiplicities, we have photographic images and ones that relate to photography on display in that hall, in addition to the main exhibitions. In the current exhibition of selections from our permanent collection, we have Jacqueline Livingston's photograph poster mail exhibition, which includes family members. So in that way, it relates to the current exhibition multiplicities. We also have a painting by the artist Lucy Salick, who used photographs as her subject matter in a painted image. And so those speak to a historical context for photographic images. Those are from the 1970s. So they're different, but they relate in other meaningful ways with what's on display in multiplicities. Yeah, we started doing that this year. We also did that with Genevieve's show. But I think what we realized with bringing some of the permanent collection into the hallway space at 301 High Street, viewers, I hope, will gain some understanding and insight in how art historically moves from a decade to decade. But the the themes are very similar and continue, but there's always a new way to approach it. As new artists come along, they're finding a unique way to talk about these themes that have been talked about through the ages. Yeah, I love how every artist has their own unique aspect on each theme and how they leave it pretty ambiguous for viewers to Mm -hmm. kind of interpret it in their own way. Mm -hmm. Well, Mary and Dr. Hoddle, thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. And again, I'm your host, Megan Steckler, and this has been A Community Affair. You've been listening to A Community Affair. Be sure to join us on the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. as we discuss the important issues that impact you and our community. Only here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.